happens with Jesus, who is called the Messiah. This morning, we're going to think about redemption. Redemption is an idea with universal appeal. The thought that something broken can be healed, something lost can be found, that slavery might give way to freedom. Redemption taps into something deep within us. And it's the theme that lays at the heart of the book of Ruth, as we'll see as we finish it today. In fact, at the heart of the storyline of the Bible. And when I say storyline, I don't just mean another inspirational, feel-good redemption story. As though it's, you know, this story about once upon a time in a spiritual land far, far away. No, no, the Bible here is recording events that happened in history. There's also something quite distinctive about the nature of redemption as we find in the Bible. And this morning I want to really lean into that with us and apply it to us to show the relevance of the redemption that the Bible brings. Now we're going to do that by seeing redemption in three ways in this last chapter of Ruth. Three layers, if you like, that get deeper as we go. So turn back there in your Bibles, Ruth chapter 4. The first redemption, redeemer, that we see is the surface level one, the most obvious one, Boaz. Now remember that the book opens up, chapter 1, with Naomi having left her town of Bethlehem in search of a better life. Yet her husband dies, her sons die in Moab, and so she comes back to Bethlehem, describing herself as having left, being full, coming back empty. With her husband dead, her sons dead, she is seriously vulnerable, without security and without significance. Without security, there there was no one to provide the finances that she would need to live. There's no Centrelink, Naomi is getting on with age, she is seriously vulnerable financially. But she's also left without significance. See, particularly in this ancient culture, it was your family line that brought about your significance, a lineage, descendants. But without a husband and with both sons dead who had no children of their own, Naomi stands without significance. However, she does have Ruth, doesn't she? As we saw that Ruth has committed herself to Naomi. And then in chapter 2, we found that Ruth is seeking food for their survival and just so happens to find herself in the field of Boaz. Boaz turns out to be one of the family's guardian redeemers. Now, a guardian redeemer was something that in the ancient Jewish culture, it was a custom, it was an expectation that if a woman became a widow, then... The, the, the dead husband's brother was to carry on the duty, was to marry her, was to sire children with her so that the family line might continue. You find that in Deuteronomy 25. In addition, if the family's land had been sold off because they'd come into hard times, then it was the expectation that the nearest relative would redeem the land, would buy it back since a family's name was attached to the land, a significance that we just don't really understand in our day. And so Boaz, whilst not being the brother of Naomi's uh, dead husband or Ruth's 
dead husband. He is a close relative who's determined to fulfill the role of guardian redeemer. However, in chapter 3, we find out that there's actually another man who's a closer relative to the family. And so he has dibs on being the guardian redeemer. That's where we pick it up in chapter 4. Look there in verse 3. This closer relative, uh, Boaz, approaches him and says, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Now, if the story ended there, man, what an anticlimax, right? Um, you know, Ruth heads off with Mr. So-and-so and... Uh, lovable, admirable, upstanding Boaz just goes home empty-handed, the end. Um, But it doesn't, of course, uh, because Boaz goes on to say that there's there's more to this deal than this guardian redeemer had realised. Verse 5, then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Now, just a very quick side note, the woman here is not considered property to be bought, but rather a widow to be married. Uh, This Hebrew law that might grate against our 21st century is, is actually God's concern for his daughters, that they be cared for. But this is a deal-breaker, for Mr. So-and-so. Verse 6, At this, the guardian redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself, I cannot do it. Now, why has he been turned off all of a sudden? Well, this becomes a hugely important insight into the nature of redemption for us. Mr. So-and-so was keen to redeem the land. Why? Well, sure, he had to fork up the cash. It would have cost him some cash, but he's buying property, land, which has fields to be worked. He stands to make money. So it's actually going to be an investment and a good return on it. But when the deal that involves marrying Ruth, oh, it's a deal-breaker. The investment looks very different for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because of race. Have you noticed through the book how the author continues to tell us that Ruth is from Moab? Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite. The significance of that is Moab, as we've seen, is enemy land for Israel. Ruth is a foreigner in enemy land, which Hebrew is going to want to bind himself to her. There's one reason this man's turned off. Secondly, though, it's good old economics. Because not only will he have to outlay his own cash to buy the property, 
It's his responsibility to then sigh a child, well, Naomi's too old, so with Ruth, and it will be Ruth and her children who inherit everything. Do you see, this becomes hugely costly for the man. He stands to gain nothing. This brings us to the important insight of the nature of biblical redemption. It's costly. To redeem someone in the Bible is not just about rescuing them. It involves that, but so much more. Uh, The other day I was at the park with my kids, as you do in a lockdown, and I pointed out to one of them, hey baby, that's where you almost died. What? She said. Uh, It was a bunch of years ago now where the swings... Uh, had you know where the, the kids kick their feet on the ground so it kind of hollows out and so over time become quite deep well we were there when it had just flooded it had poured rain and so it was actually a pool it was quite a deep pool and uh, this was kid number four so there's three other kids running about that we're trying to keep track on little did we know that our youngest Paige who was only tiny was laying face down in the pool we hadn't realized it someone thankfully had come along picked her out of the pool and gone um did you realize your kid is face down we are so thankful that her life had been saved someone had rescued her but there was no real cost to the person we're very thankful that they did it Uh, you might speak of her life as being redeemed but the bible pushes into redemption saying there's, there's a much greater cost in order to bring about the rescue. Boaz is willing to act for the good of another at great cost to himself. Not only is he going to buy the property, the estate, he'll take on Ruth, sigh at children, God willing, and then all that is his will go to them. And there's actually this beautiful irony, isn't there? That the man, the closer guardian redeemer, who wasn't willing to give up his name, he's nameless. He's just Mr. So-and-so. And yet Boaz, who was willing to give up his name along with all that he had for Ruth and her children, well, here we still are talking about Boaz. There's something quite ironic and wonderful about that verse 9 Boaz then public publicly undertakes this commitment to Ruth to Naomi's family then verse 11 then the elders and all the people at the gate said we are witnesses may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah who together built up the family of Israel may you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem quite a stunning announcement Uh, in fact it seems that they speak better than they realize as we'll see then verse 13 something of a conclusion so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife when he made love to her the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son There's the first redeemer on view in this chapter, Boaz. 
who very literally, as the guardian redeemer, buys back Naomi, Ruth, her family, at great cost to himself. Here's the second layer of redemption, the second redeemer we see on view in this chapter. Not explicitly called a redeemer, but clearly functioning as one, and it's Ruth. It makes sense of why the book is named after Ruth and not Naomi. Now, the Olympics are over, of course. Um, have you found something else to, to watch at night? It wasn't that a great couple of weeks? I'm hearing so many of you say that it was a, a good thing to do. Uh, many of us are missing the Olympics, and I think there's one story that has stuck with many of us and will, the story of Peter Boll, the 800-metre runner, uh, the Sudanese Australian, just missed out on the medal there. And he seems to have captured the hearts of the country. And I suspect one of the reasons that he has is to do with his story, his background, that he has, with his family, fled a war-torn country, uh, seeking a better life in a safe land. And not only has he found that, he's found success on the world stage. Uh, he, he's a foreigner that we rightly celebrate. But the thing about Ruth is that she's a foreigner in a very foreign land, but she's not sought out a better life. She's signed a blank check and entered into the enemy land that promised her nothing. See, think about Ruth. Having tragically lost her husband back in Moab, she could have remained there with her family, her mother, father, her, her siblings, her friends, her community. She would have found another husband. There was comfort and security on offer for her there, but no. Such was her commitment to Naomi, her mother-in-law, that she insists, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God, where you die, I will die. Amazing. Now, think about it. Naomi is too old to remarry and have children to provide the security and significance for her. Therefore, Naomi is seriously vulnerable. But Ruth is her redeemer. Ruth commits herself to her by uprooting her life at great cost, becoming a foreigner in her enemy's land, and so provides Naomi with a grandson, Obed, a redeemer, as we'll see. Verse 15, This child, Obed, will renew your life, words said to Naomi, and sustain you, in your old age. The women who are speaking these words around Naomi don't miss the redeemer that Ruth is. They go on, verse 15, for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. The book of Ruth is often thought of as a love story, a romance story, Boaz, and Ruth, significantly, this is the only time the word love is used in the whole book. 
And it's not applied to any romance between Boaz and Ruth, but rather it's applied to Ruth's loving action towards Naomi. Her determination to act sacrificially for her good, which makes her better than seven sons. A Jewish expression of describing the perfect family, having everything you could possibly want. Ruth is better than that. Ruth is better than the perfect family. Yes, Ruth has been redeemed by Boaz, as we've seen. But Ruth has also been the redeemer of Naomi. Here's the third layer, and we, we dig deeper here as we push into the nature of redemption. It brings us actually to the very heart of the Bible's message. See, often our world's stories of redemption are about how a person redeems themselves. We speak of that very language, they've redeemed themselves. Steve Smith and David Warner, Australian cricket captain and vice captain, or were the greatest sport on planet Earth. Uh, a few years ago, and I'm sure even if you find cricket the most boring thing there, you heard of the story uh, where these two men were sacked because of their involvement in a cheating incident. Uh, they seriously fell from grace, booted out of the team, lots of public shame and commentary against them. Uh, they, they did their time. They copped it. They worked on their game, they did a bunch of charity work and so on, so that some three years later they're spoken of as redeeming themselves. Back in the team, might they even take on leadership again? They're one of the classic modern day redemption stories. But here's the massive difference between that idea of redemption in our world and the Bible's idea of redemption the bible's message of redemption is not about self-redemption but about god who is the great redeemer the book opens up with naomi complaining that god has turned against her yet finishes with the praise of god who has not left naomi without redemption yes it's involved boaz as we've seen. Yes, it's involved Ruth acting wonderfully towards her, as we've seen. But it has been God who has been working in unseen ways to bring it about. And if you've paid attention, it's been notable that there's been no miracles. There's been no divine speech. And actually, that's one of the big points that the book is making that God is just as powerfully and intimately involved in the ordinary, in individuals' and families' lives, as he is in the extraordinary. And not just in one or two people's lives, but in everyone's life. But here's where the book really zooms out. Oh, zoom, that's a dirty word at the moment. Pans out, right? Gives us a bigger view. Because Whilst God is always at work at the micro level, 
in the teeny tiny details of individuals and families. That micro work is always connected to his macro work in his eternal plans. And sometimes he joins the dots for us between that micro work and the massive work, like he does here. Often he doesn't, and we await heaven where we will see how the the dots join. We live by faith until then. But here we see God join the dots because he hasn't just redeemed Ruth. He hasn't just redeemed Naomi. He is redeeming the nation of Israel. The nation, a couple of individuals, one family, this story has been concerned of. But actually, we pan out, we see that it's concerned with the whole nation of Israel. Remember the setting of this account. It's in the days of the judges, when Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. It's a mess. Well, here comes King David. David is the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz, as verse 21 and 22 make clear. David, a man who will be after the Lord's heart, a man patterned after the Lord, who will rule over Israel as God's anointed one, as God's Messiah. And so as we pan out a bit in the account of Ruth, we see it, slingshot us forward to King David and as we come to David of course and we pan out even more it slingshots us into another son who is held in another mother's arms in Bethlehem a poor humble virgin Mary instructed by heaven that the child she carries has been conceived by the Holy Spirit and is to be given the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The book of Ruth, the redemption at its heart, points us to our great Redeemer, Jesus. And the New Testament makes so much of Jesus as Redeemer. Let me give you a sense of it. Zechariah saw it, speaking of the coming of Jesus at his birth. He says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. This Redeemer is none other than God himself coming in the person of his son. This is not Israel working harder, doing better and figuring themselves out. This is God who has come to redeem. Jesus understood redemption to be at the very heart of the reason that he came, saying that even the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember what we've seen about the nature of redemption in Boaz and Ruth? It's not convenient but costly rescue. It requires a price to be paid. Jesus says he pays a ransom. 
A ransom is a fairly straightforward idea. It's the price paid to get someone out of a dangerous or evil situation that they have no hope of getting themselves out of. And here's where it so importantly connects to us. The book of Ruth has really thrown up the idea of vulnerability. Naomi, vulnerable, without security and significance. Ruth, also. The need for a redeemer to come and satisfy, to bring protection. Here's the thing for you, for me. Every one of us finds ourselves, by nature, in the most vulnerable situation imaginable. And that is to be sinners who will stand to give account to the most holy, righteous God who is judge. Jesus says that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sinners are slaves, owned by the force of evil that we have willingly sold ourselves to, but are now under as master. See, have you loved God with all your heart or your soul or your mind or your strength all your days? No, I didn't think so. Which makes you a slave to sin. It makes you, it makes me, more vulnerable than you could possibly imagine. Because a righteous God, a just God, must and will punish sin. Cannot, will not excuse it, deny it, diminish it. We want God to be just and righteous. He is. That means we are horribly vulnerable. But you never need fear that vulnerability if you embrace your Redeemer, Jesus. Because he has paid your ransom price in his death on the cross. It's expressed so often by the New Testament by the spilling of his blood. Let me give you a taste of that. Ephesians 1 says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Peter puts it like this, It was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Paul says, All have sinned, all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith do you see Jesus as your redeemer as the one that God has put forward to pay the price to buy you back Ruth points us to Jesus 
as she, a foreigner, left her home and entered enemy land for the good of another. Well, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, left his home in heaven, put on flesh to be one of us, to live life in our place, a perfect life. And he did this for his enemies. Boaz has pointed us to Jesus as Redeemer, the man of unquestionable integrity who pays a great cost. Jesus, ultimate integrity, ultimate character, ultimate love for those that he redeems. And here's the thing, Jesus doesn't just redeem us in that he wipes off a debt, though he does. As we saw with Boaz, his redemption meant paying the debt, but also everything that was his was now Ruth and her families. So too do all of Jesus' privileges become those that he redeems. So that the right that Jesus has to call God Almighty Father, we have as his children. The affection that God the Father has for his perfect Son, he now has for us, his redeemed. The resurrection from the dead, bodily, physically, publicly, check out life this week if you've doubted the evidence, the real resurrection in history of Jesus awaits all of those who have been redeemed by him. And so here's the biggest thing that the book of Ruth teaches us. Well, here's what it's not, actually. The biggest thing of Ruth is not, here's Boaz, be more kind like him. Here's Ruth, be more loyal like her. Though those lessons are there and good. The big lesson, the big thing of Ruth, know your Redeemer. Know Jesus, embrace him, because he says anyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so I just have to stare down the barrel of this lens to you and ask you, do you know this redemption? I'm confident that this will come before the eyes of people who don't who stand in the most vulnerable situation imaginable to give an account of your life before a holy God. Embrace this redemption today. Do not put it off. Acknowledge your need for having failed to honour God as you ought. Acknowledge your need that you can't get yourself out of this. And by faith, by trusting, look to Jesus as the one who has come for you to redeem you. Finally, for those of us who have embraced Jesus as Redeemer, for those of us Jesus has embraced to redeem. Let me give us three responses that the New Testament bolts on to our redemption that connect to the security and the significance that Jesus has brought us. Number one, repentance. 
ongoing forgiveness. See, we recognize our need to be redeemed, to come back into relationship with God. And having done that, we need to remember our ongoing need for forgiveness, to turn from it. John puts it like this, the blood of Jesus, there it is again, the blood of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Notice the active part that the redeemed person plays there in confessing our sins to God. Lockdown may be presenting particular kinds of temptation to you, especially since uh, much of our life is hidden, is isolated. There might be particular hidden private sins that you are indulging. We don't have the connection and maybe accountability around us. We might easily twist and justify particular sins, going, oh, life is so hard, this thing sucks, and so it's okay if I... Well, if that's you, this week particularly, be encouraged, there's mercy for those who repent, for those who don't keep it in the hiddenness of their life, but who bring it before God, who confess their sins he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Enjoy the assurance of ongoing forgiveness, but seek it. Don't live in the dark corners of it. Secondly, to be redeemed provides us with the motivation to fight sin to live different transformed lives. Titus 2 puts it like this, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. One of the most misunderstood dimensions about Christianity, we, we get it all the time as we engage with people, is I think Christianity is just about being good. Be good enough, God will kind of weigh your life and if you've got more good than bad, he'll let you in. No, we need a redeemer, we're lost. Having been redeemed, we're a new person with a new heart, with, with, with a new longing to please to serve the one who has redeemed us. And so we do pursue what is good. Imagine the home of Ruth, Boaz, Naomi. You know, as the story just rolls on in real life, what, what might that have looked like? Yeah, in the ordinary of life, there would have been the ups and downs and all the ordinary things. But surely there would have been this deep, enduring thankfulness that Ruth, that, Noah, that Naomi had for Boaz. In, in the midst of ups and downs and all that kind of normal stuff, a deep thankfulness. You have redeemed us you have given us security you have given us significance surely that 
shaped the way that they related to each other. It's exactly the same for us, those redeemed by Jesus. This is not just commands from God, don't do this, do this. This is a response from the heart. And if you, if you think of Christianity as just things to not do and to do, and to, you haven't captured the heart of it. God's heart for you, his love for you as redeemer. It'll change the way that we fight sin, particularly sexual sin with our bodies. Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. The redeemed person has been bought by another from the enemy of sin, of Satan, and has been purchased for God. He owns us. We belong to him. So honour him, particularly with your bodies. How might a fresh appreciation of your redemption from sin to God cause you to live differently in another lockdown week this week? And thirdly, finally, redemption results in praise for the one who has been redeemed like Ruth and Naomi with this underlying thankfulness for their redemption how much more ought that be true for us that a mark of our lives as redeemed one is praise is thanksgiving uh, we're feeling the sting of not being able to give expression to that praise in song together right now. But that's not the only way that we can give expression to our thankfulness, to, to our praise. And so let your heart, let your prayers, let your attitude praise God for his kindness in redeeming you. No matter what's going on around you in the circumstances, you can Praise him as your redeemer. In spirit, we can join in with the new song that is sung in heaven of Jesus, which says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. This book of Ruth has shown us how wonderfully God used Ruth from the nation of Moab to bring redemption even here to people on the central coast. And that how our lives, little as they are, no one will probably write a book about our lives, but even our lives can join in with the likes of Ruth as we too find refuge under the redeeming wings of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I trust that you are encouraged and stirred to be under those wings another day, another week, as we patiently wait to see our Redeemer, to see him and to enjoy him forever. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, we praise you for who you are, for the kindness that you have shown to the undeserving, to the ill-deserving down through the ages. We thank you for this book of Ruth, 
uh, for the timely book that has been for us, for the way that it has encouraged so many of us, that it has challenged us, that it has shown us new things, that it has caused us to live for you more and more. And we, we thank you for this act of redemption that we see, that we see so clearly in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for those who don't truly know Jesus as Redeemer, that you might work that miracle in their life. You might grab them and rescue them. That you might bring them to their knees in humility to seek Jesus as Redeemer and to be found by him. And for those of us who have, Father, continue please to work out our salvation, to continue to transform our lives so that they really do bear the marks of people who have been redeemed by a God who has gone to such lengths in such kindness. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.